When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. We are continuing our Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast that we did on Thursday. If you missed Thursday's podcast, uh, just go back and look on our feeds on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed there, too, uh, so you get those right on your phone or however you listen to our podcasts uh, as soon as I hit publish on those every single day. Uh, Mary Kay, let's start here. You know, we asked yesterday... Uh, what rookies could start um, for the Browns this year? This one goes in a different direction. It comes from Bob Rupel in Novelty, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, will any of the 2020 draft picks not make the 53-man roster this year? And who of them do you think they'll sign to an extension over the next nine months? So a two-part air. Okay. Who won't make it and who could get an extension? Okay, so let's pull up a list real quick of who they all are. Yeah. Let's refresh everyone's memories. <laughs> and obviously it starts with Jed Wills. Right. Um, then Grant Delpit. Yep. Let's see yep. if I could do this off the top of my head. Do you have the list up? Jacob and Jordan in the third yeah, Jacob round. Jacob and Jordan. Fourth okay. round was, all right. I know Nick was in the fifth round. Nick Harrison Nick in the was fifth in the round. fifth round. Fourth round was Harrison. Harrison Bryant was the fourth rounder. Yeah. And then sixth round was DPJ. So did we forget did we, anyone? Let's see. I'm do it, the list now. I think we might have. Let's see. Wills, Delpit, El- we did. We got them all. Oh, my goodness. Look at us. It's like we pay attention. <laughs> um, okay. So Jed, Grant, Jacob, Jordan, Harrison, Nick, and DPJ. Yes. All right. So Jed Wills, uh, they picked up the fifth year option for Jed. So, so that, you know, we know kind of where that is going. Um, you know, Grant, I, I think they would like to extend Grant. I, I think they would like to keep Jacob and, and Jordan. You know, I, I think most of these guys they feel pretty good about. Harrison Bryant will kind of be relegated to the third tight end this year behind uh, David Njoku and Jordan Akins. And then Nick, we've talked about, is kind of on the bubble a little bit this year. Uh, and DPJ, I could see them extending him. I really think that he's somebody that they feel really great about and they uh, want to kind of see what he can do this year. It's an opportunity for him to maximize his earning power and for them to help him, you know, set the market price a little bit by him, you know, going out and having a really, really good season in his contract year. So it is a big year for a lot of these guys. And uh, and I, I think that's good. I think it'll create healthy competition and bring out the best in them. 
So as far as, and, and we'll just note here that everyone except Jedrick Wills uh, will be a free agent after this season. Uh, their four-year deals are up. Jed, of course, as, as you mentioned, that first-round pick, he had the fifth-year option, and the Browns did pick that up. So that's guaranteed for the 2024 season now. So he will not be a free agent after this season. Um, of these guys, who, who I guess, I, it's hard for me to make the case that any of them would get cut this like in September. Um, but who do you think is like the closest, I guess uh, I would maybe say Nick Harris just because they drafted Luke Whipler. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's a guy I, I get, I, I just, I don't see them cutting Jacob Phillips. I mean, I haven't, he's been hurt a lot. He wasn't very good last year when he did play, but I still don't see them cutting him, especially considering the, the, the kind of the injuries at linebacker and, and sort of how all that works. But I, I would probably say those two are the ones that I would circle is like, let's just keep an eye on them. And then I suppose Jordan, just because depending how many tackles they keep, but I, I think he's, if I had to kind of rank them, I would put him below Jacob Phillips, but that's just sort of like gut feeling. Yeah. When I look at this list, I see Jacob, Jordan, Harrison and Nick as as guys that are really going to have to kind of step up and prove themselves out of that group. Uh, I think we've already kind of talked about the fact that, you know, Nick could be the one most on the bubble because they went out and they got Luke. And if push comes to shove, you know, it might be hard to keep Nick under the conditions that they have right now. Uh, Jordan, you know, he started all last year at defensive tackle. And right now, if there were a game tomorrow, if Zadarius Smith started inside next to Dalvin Tomlinson, I think Jordan would probably be the first one in off the bench as the reserve defensive tackle there. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Jacob, I think, uh, you know, he's got to stay healthy and show that he can come back from a couple of season ending injuries. He's got to stay on the field. But if he can do that, they have enough other injuries at linebacker that, you know, that I think that there's an opportunity there for him. And they would like to see him live up to his potential. Again, third round picks are ones in which you hope they either become starters or they become, you know, quality guys in a rotation. And that's what they're still hoping for, for Jacob. So, you know, let's see what can happen. I mean, we know Anthony Walker Jr. is still trying to make it back from his torn quad injury. And so this is a chance for Jacob to, you know, to go out there and say, hey, don't forget about me. Last year at this time, he was supposed to kind of be the front runner uh, for that middle linebacker job. And then Anthony Walker was like, no, 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 not so fast. I'm, I'm not ready to give that position up yet. So, you know, it's it's prove it time for some of these guys. OK, I'm going to name three guys and I want you to kind of rank them as to the player you think would be the next I'm trying to figure out how to word this the player who will get the next like significant multi-year extension of, of like the first of these three players so mm-hmm. you know I'm not talking like bring them back for a year I'm talking like a multi-year deal to be the guy at that position moving forward I'm gonna do three names Jedrick Wills Donovan Peoples-Jones Grant Delpit of those three who do you think is the most likely to be the next person we say, hey, they just signed an extension with the Browns? 
Well, it's a good question because, you know, I'm not going to say Jed because they've got Jed wrapped up all the way through the 2024 season and they can kind of now let that play out and see how that goes at a bargain basement price. They don't need to go out and spend a bunch of money on him on a big time signing bonus right now and, you know, just dig deep into their pockets and come up with millions and millions of dollars in cash for that because they've got him under contract through 2024. So I don't think I'm going to say Jed just from a salary cap slash bookkeeping standpoint. Um, DPJ, you know, if, if he can go out and really prove that he's got something going with Deshaun Watson, then I think he elevates himself into that category of becoming more expendable, especially because Amari Cooper is under contract again next season, the second straight season at a cap charge of $23.776 million. That's a lot of money. Uh, so, you know, if, if he shows this year that he's worth it and he hasn't, you know, dropped off at all coming off core muscle surgery and turning whatever, 29 next year or whatever it's going to be, um, somewhere in that neighborhood for next season, you know, then, you know, then maybe they'll, they'll be willing to shell out that kind of money. Uh, or maybe they'll be willing to keep him around at a restructured contract. Uh, but if not, DPJ becomes more important because then, you know, he can fill uh, some of that role and some of those shoes that Amari Cooper plays. And maybe he's ready to step up into, you know, more of that type of not necessarily number one receiver, but uh, just one who's going to get more targets than he has lately. So I think I would go DPJ next in this scenario. And then um, Grant, I mean, Grant was a really, really high pick. Uh, they have high hopes for him. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a matter of seeing how well he does this year too. He started off his career with a ruptured Achilles. That's no way to start a career. It's a tough injury to come back from. And he's, you know, still working his way back from that. So, um, you know, so I think I might put him behind DPJ, but those guys could be almost tied because if Grant looks really good and he lives up to some of that potential and has the versatility that they believe that he has, uh, then that, you know, that's a really important safety position too. I think it's interesting to, to kind of keep an eye on like, you know, the, the goal is to draft and develop, right. And eventually have guys who, you know, I think the way Andrew Barry would love it to work out is, you know, you draft these guys, you develop them. And then, you know, when you have to make the hard decisions that, Hey, we just can't pay everybody. So we've got to let this guy go. He's getting all this money someplace else that you have somebody ready to step up and, and move into that role. And with DPJ, it does feel a little bit like, yeah, they'd love to extend it, but let's say he has a big year and somebody wants to pay him a lot of money. That's kind of why Cedric Tillman is here, right? Like to eventually move into a role similar to that. So I, I don't think it's like exclusively to replace Donovan Peoples Jones. I'm sure they'd love to keep him around, but you know, there does come a point where you want to let these young draft picks, these guys, I mean, it's crazy to think we've got a GM here now who's, who's had four drafts, you know, now that some of these initial draft picks, they're into that final year of the contract and some of them you're going to be able to keep some of them you're not. And hopefully you've drafted guys behind them who, who can step in and fill those roles. Yeah, it's really, it really is going to start to come down to uh, the money. The money is going to be a big factor. 
because as, as you mentioned, if Donovan Peoples Jones is poised to hit the jackpot and wants to go out and test the market and see what he can get on the open market and he's going to make, you know, big, big bucks, then the Browns have to decide if they're willing to pay that. And what is the state of their receiving core at that time? Has Cedric Tillman really stepped up into that role? Has Elijah Moore been all they hoped he would be? Would Amari Cooper be willing to take some kind of a contract restructure to stick around? Uh, so they have a lot of flexibility at receiver. You know, they've added a lot to the pile and uh, they will have some options going forward. Some of it will also, uh, you know, depend on how Deshaun Watson feels about the player, how they look together, how they mesh and how important that player is to him. Okay, let's get to another question. This has to do with another draft pick and the position he plays. It comes from Joe uh, in London, Ohio. And this kind of references, uh, this does reference a story you put up earlier this week about Jeremiah Usukoromoa and some of what Jason Tarver, uh, the linebackers coach, was saying about him. So uh, this is a long one. Hey, Mary Kay. Some of Coach Tarver's comments about JOK were interesting, saying he needs to get stronger and know the playbook well enough to stay on the field. With Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki iffy to start the season and Jacob's, Jacob Phillips' tendency to get injured, if JOK doesn't take another step, is this the main way you could see the defense underperforming due to lack of linebacker play? It seems like they are the position being asked to think with the D-line tasked to, quote, get the quarterback and the secondary to cover their guy. So should we be concerned about linebacker? It's so funny. We ask that question every single year, uh, you know, with this regime, <laughs> right? Every single year it is, uh, you know, it is a concern. And it wasn't really supposed to be as much of a concern anymore because they went out and they drafted JOK, whom they believed was a first round talent and they got him in the second round and they were really excited about him. But he's had some extenuating circumstances, including, we've talked about this before, the tragic loss of his brother last year. And I think that was a tremendous setback to him, uh, both emotionally, physically. He lost weight. Uh, he had a very difficult time overcoming that, even though he's so uh, intensely spiritual and faithful. Uh, he was so close to his brother, almost like twins. They were like about a year apart. And, you know, I could just, it was visceral. I could see the toll that it took on him, uh, you know, when he first showed back up for the offseason program last year. So, you know, now when, uh, when Jason Tarver, the linebackers coach, talks about him getting stronger, you know, he physically needs JOK to look a little bit more like the JOK that they did draft. I mean, we remember looking back at those pictures and he was, he was more bulked up than he is now. Uh, again, he's an alkaline vegan. It's probably hard sometimes to keep that weight on. You really have to make a concerted effort uh, to get your calories in when, uh, you know, when you're not eating some of the, you know, the denser foods and uh, you're eating, you know, lighter life giving vegetables and fruits and beautiful things like that. Um, but, um, but that's what he needs. He needs him to get stronger. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that being an alkaline vegan doesn't enable you to excel on, on the football field, because I will tell you, I am the mother of an alkaline vegan, uh, who is also, um, an athlete and, um, and she fully and firmly believes, and I've researched, help her research it, 
that um, being an alkaline vegan can incredibly help your athletic performance. So it might be doing that for JOK as well. It might be helping him, but I think they just also want him to add a little weight uh, to his frame again and just be a little bit stronger, add a little bit of muscular weight. Um, so, so that's one thing. And then um, from a knowing the, the playbook standpoint, everybody's learning the playbook no one really knows who knows it yet or who doesn't. So I don't think anybody can say with any real conviction who's going to be able to play super fast or who's not going to be able to play fast in training camp or on opening weekend because it's a work in progress right now. They're not in pads and we don't know how much anybody knows the playbook, but certainly JOK, you know, is dedicated to his craft and he cares about it and he'll do everything that he possibly can. I believe that Jason Tarver was just really what he was doing uh, in that moment when he said those things about JOK, I think he was challenging his player uh, to just to take it up a notch. They have high, high hopes for JOK. And I think that he was just kind of throwing down the gauntlet a little bit and asking him to step it up and become the linebacker that they know he can be. And if he is that, and if he does that, then the linebacker spot is not going to be a concern because he would be the perfect fit for this scheme. And then they have another enough other pieces and parts around him uh, that I think that they'll be able to get the job done effectively. And I, I think JOK is the linebacker in that room with still the highest ceiling. Um, you know, Anthony Walker kind of is who he is at this point. Sione Taki Taki was, was good last year, but I don't think he's, you know, going to be like a pro bowl linebacker or anything like that. Um, you know, Jacob, we've talked a lot about Jacob Phillips, but I, I think JOK is the guy that has the highest ceiling in that room. And I do think it, so. Um, so Joe said in his text that he thinks the linebacker position might be the ones asked to kind of think the most. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Um, I, I think there is a lot of like read and react for those linebackers in this scheme. I think they're going to get to play downhill, and I think that's going to help JOK a lot because um, he plays the position a lot like a running back, kind of the way he he reads holes and knifes through and and gets to guys. So I think he's going to benefit from this, but you know, he's, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay on the field. A 17 game NFL season is a long season and to, to take that contact and to take that punishment, it's a different game at the NFL level. And he's had some injury issues, but when he's been on the field, we've seen moments where he's made impact plays. I mean, just think of, you know, the Baltimore game that has become known more for all the yelling in the locker room after, but JOK made a huge play towards the end of that game, forcing a fumble when, when Baltimore could have run out the clock and gave the Browns a chance. So those are the types of things he's capable of doing um, if he can stay healthy. And I do think he looks a little bit bigger this year. And I do think he looks a little bit stronger this year, just kind of based on the, the little that we've seen him so far. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I, I also think that... Um... I think the defense is designed to be as simple as possible at every level. I think that in addition to just telling the defensive linemen, of course, you know, there's more to it than that, but for the most part, uh, asking the defensive linemen to get to the quarterback, that's, that's the assignment. Uh, I think it's sort of similar at every level. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, linebackers, okay, get to the ball, you know, clean, clean up the mess, get to the ball. You've got another split second to do your job. You get to react to that. You get to, um, you know, show your instincts and, and do that. But I don't think it's going to be 
overly complicated. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think that JOK will be able to play as fast as they need him to play this year. And he does need to understand exactly where to be and when to be there and understand the run fits and things like that. But, um, but I, I think it's going to be okay this year. I think everyone's going to have a little bit of an easier time understanding where they're supposed to be and why they're there. Um, even when you get to the back end, you know, I think there will be, you know, more man, more stick with this guy, the whole game type of thing, or stick with this guy, this whole series, whatever. Um, I just think that at every level, it will be a lot more clear. So that should benefit the linebackers too. Okay, we're going to take a break. And then we've got some more Hey Mary Kay questions here on a Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we're going to go to Terry Richards from Peoria, Arizona. I think he sent this before the final Guardians game of the Padres series where they won a pretty dramatic high-scoring game, but they had lost the previous two. So this comes from Terry Richards. That'll make sense when I read it. Uh, Hey, Mary Kay, since I just spent two lost evenings in San Diego watching the Guardians play horribly, can you explain why things will be different when we reconvene at SoFi in December? And I will just say this. I've never been to Petco Park in uh, San Diego, but it looks like it's a pretty spectacular stadium to watch a game at. I do know that they have like a public park, like right outside. You can like go hang out on, on non game days. And so it's just kind of a cool setup. Um, But SoFi is a very cool place to watch a football game. So one thing I can say for Terry, for sure, is uh, he's got good taste in the stadiums that he chooses to visit. But Mary Kay, why will Terry not be as disappointed when he visits SoFi to watch the Browns as he was after those first two games the Guardians played in San Diego? Well, you know, I'm going to say, first of all, I totally agree with you that SoFi is such a cool place uh, to watch a game. It's really, really modern, state-of-the-art, incredible. It's it's just amazing. When you see it, it, you know, it just it just makes you wish that the Browns could have something even close. And I think their plans for the stadium, uh, the renovation actually contains so many cool elements that uh, including like views straight through to the lake uh, at, you know, from all over, it's just, uh, it, it's really, really cool. So hopefully they'll um, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to be able to duplicate something like SoFi, but, um, but it's, it's, it's a, pretty nice plan they have going. Um, in terms of why uh, our texture won't be as disappointed, let's just say that by then, you know, I really think that Deshaun, I think it's going to be because of Deshaun. I think he'll have his mojo down with his receivers. I think the defense will be humming along, um, but I think it's going to come down uh, to the offense and Deshaun really feeling comfortable in the scheme, really understanding it and really uh, being explosive in it. And that is what they're going to need to do uh, to keep peace pace uh, with some of these, with some of these other teams. And, uh, you know, certainly they, they will need to, you know, to be able to score points all throughout the season. And especially when you're playing uh, some of these more explosive teams like the Rams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, the, the Browns and Rams are sort of, uh, 
you know, I don't want to just like give up on the Rams because I think Sean McVay is a good coach. And if Matthew Stafford's healthy, I don't, I don't know. I think they'll be competitive and they still have Aaron Donald. You know, they've still got some, they've still got some guys. Um, but by then, I guess you'd kind of hope that maybe the Browns and Rams would be in, in two different places um, in week 13. But that that's when the Browns, if they're a good football team, will hopefully be hitting their peak. And hopefully, like you've said, Deshaun Watson will be more comfortable. The defense will will know exactly what they are. Um, if the Browns are the team we think they can be, we should have a really good idea by of that by week 13. And they should be kind of just starting to kind of start that upward trajectory towards January. Um, so it, it could be a very good, a very good week for our buddy Terry. Um, and that'll also cap a week in LA for the Browns. So they'll, they'll be in Denver the week before then. And then they're going to go to LA and they will, uh, they'll, they'll stay out there. So uh, that's a, that's a nice long road trip that they'll be coming off of too. So hopefully they're all getting along and they're all buddies still uh, by week 13. Yeah. Let's hope that by day eight at the Greenbrier in July, <laughs> <laughs> that they're not ready to be away from each other. Um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, that should be good. By then, you know, like you said, that's what when you want to be hitting your stride. That's when you want to be showing that you are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. That Nick Chubb can't be stopped. That Amari Cooper is too hot to handle. That Elijah Moore has great chemistry with Deshaun Watson. Uh, these are the things that you hope hope to be showing on December third. Okay, this one is from Paxton Styles in Chevrolet, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, I'm glad you all talk about Kevin Stefanski needing to call the right plays for Deshaun Watson. He can seem stubborn at times, so I worry about that. Do you think him not succeeding at calling the right plays for Watson would be the final straw to cause him to relinquish play calling? And if so, would he do it voluntarily? Well, that is a very, very good question. Um, first of all, I think that Kevin Stefanski's play calling this year is going to look a lot better when he's calling plays for Deshaun Watson, who has no limitations. And when he has all these different weapons that, that he can use and all these different things that he can do with a guy like Elijah Moore, line him up in the backfield. Uh, you can run your gadget plays. You can do jet sweeps. You can go deep to Marquise Goodwin. I mean, I just think that that play calling is, is going to be easier with all the talent that Kevin has to call it for this year. So I don't anticipate it's going to get to the point where he has to say, oh boy, this looks bad. I, I just don't envision that happening. But in the event, in the unlike, unlikely event, in my opinion, that he is not calling the right kind of game that is maximizing Deshaun and things aren't going the way anybody hoped they would go, Kevin Stefanski is one that would not hesitate to turn the play calling over to someone else. He, he wouldn't do that if he thought someone else had a better chance uh, to do the job. So he's not an ego guy and uh, you know, he will evaluate it for what it's worth and do what he needs to do. You've got to do it at the right time too. You've got to make sure, you know, I know that sounds, sounds kind of strange, but like, you know, you can't do it too soon. You can't do it too late. There's got to be like a little sweet spot there uh, because what you definitely don't want to do is give it up and then have to take it back and, and do all of that stuff. But we've seen really good coaches give up play calling for different reasons. I, th I think Andy Reid gave it up one year and I think that was, that was kind of to help Matt Nagy get a job, but um, you know, we've seen him give it up 
at times. Uh, you know, it happens. It's just that's part of being a coach slash play caller. You've just got to have that sense for when it's working, when it's not, and when when it's kind of finally time to pull the trigger on that move and not just when you're going to give it up, but who you're going to give it to. Like, would you just give it to Alex Van Pelt or is there somebody else in the building that you really like to call plays? So there, there's a lot of different things to consider there. Yeah, there, there really are. And, um, and I also think that in the event that you did give it up and then you wanted to take it back, so be it. You know, I, I think that you have to be able to pivot in any way that you need to uh, to help your football team. And, you know, if you try something and it doesn't work, then you could also always reverse your decision. And, you know, that's one thing that Freddie Kitchens should have done in 19, 2019. He should have let Todd Munkin call the plays and see if it didn't help matters. I mean, why not? What did they have to lose? They were going nowhere. It was a disaster. So why not give it a try? And if it gets worse, then say, oh, you know what? We tried something, didn't work. We're going back to what we were doing before. Um, so, you know, that's another way to look at it. Okay. Anise Barner uh, from Toledo has a very simple, straightforward pre-training camp question. Hey, Mary Kay, what are some position battles you're looking forward to seeing this training camp? Well, one of the things that I will be looking at will be... Um, I'm very interested to see how the receivers actually shake out. There's a lot of good receivers out there. There are a lot of good bodies. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this on the pod. Uh, there's a there's going to be a battle for that last receiver spot. Uh, so that's one battle we're going to look at. We're going to look to see how the Anthony Schwartzes and, you know, and those guys are doing the Jakeem Grants uh, for the last receiver spot. Um, but just from a who's playing those top three spots. I mean, I'm, I think we really know that it's going to be Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, but you've got other good receivers you have to get on the field. So I would say those three guys are the top three. Um, but, you know, maybe you even want to talk about the top two. And I don't know if you have to talk about the top two in terms of a competition necessarily, because, you know, if you're doing different things, it's, it's a matchup game. You know, it, it could be Amari and Elijah, uh, you know, in two receiver sets in against some opponents. And it could be Amari and Donovan Peoples-Jones in two receiver sets in, in certain situations. It could be Amari and Marquise Goodwin. So you could get the vertical stretch game going, but I, how they use the receivers, it's not necessarily uh, a training camp battle, but usage of receivers is very intriguing to me. So I want to see that. Um, there's really nothing else on the offensive side of the ball that is making me wonder too much about anything. Um, I, you know, I really think that in two tight end sets that for the most part, if you're looking for the second tight end to catch the ball for you, then you're going to put Jordan in there. If you're looking for the second tight end to block for you a little bit more, then you're going to put Harrison in there. So I don't think that seems like too much of a battle to me. Um, I would say defensive tackle is probably one of the most more intriguing things to look at. Who's going in there in the rotation after, you know, Zedarius, uh, you know, is it going to be Jordan? Is it going to be Siaki? Is, you know, how is that all going to shake out? I think is one thing that I'm really looking at. We're all curious about the linebackers because 
just from a health standpoint alone, we don't know who's making the team. We don't know who's starting out the season. We don't know who's going on IR. You know, there's, there are a lot of question marks there at the linebacker spot. So that's going to be something to keep a really good close eye on. I think, I mean, we know the starters in the defensive backfield. Um, what we don't know yet is, you know, okay, so who's going to play the slot? Is it going to be by committee, which is what we think it's going to be? Is it really going to be like that? Is Denzel really going to spend some time in there? Uh, so slot corner is another area just to keep an eye on and see what's going on there. And then, you know, the return game, I think that'll be kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I think we'll want to know what's going to be happening with those precious return spots. Who does Bubba Ventrone really like? And uh, do they need to go out and get anybody else? Do they feel comfortable with what they have? Is is Jakeem able to handle some of the uh, stuff that he was supposed to do last year and couldn't when he ruptured the Achilles? So these are some of the things that we will be watching for. Yeah, there aren't a ton of like super high profile battles. Um, it is a lot of that stuff. Um, returns a good one. Like if, you know, how Jakeem Grant kind of fits into all that because obviously they signed him for a specific reason last year, but then he got hurt. Um, I'll throw out, this isn't a battle. This is sort of like the, the receiver thing. This isn't a battle, but I'm, I was thinking about this this week with Jerome Ford and Demetric Felton. If, they're almost because Demetric Felton is pretty much now back in the running back room. We think it, are they almost trying to replace Kareem hunt with two people? So Jerome Ford is kind of more of your traditional running back and he can catch the ball. He had 21 catches his last year in, in college. Um, didn't really have a ton before then. I looked it up the other day. Um, but Demetric Felton obviously can catch out of the backfield. He was, he was a receiver for a little while. He spent a ton of time with the receivers last year. So I almost wonder if they're trying to replace Kareem Hunt with two guys instead of one, where Demetric is maybe more of your pass catching back and Jerome is more of your, like, Dearness Johnson, true backup running back. I, I can tote the ball 20, 25 times if you need me to. Um, that that's something I guess I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. So not a battle, but just like, how are they using those two guys behind Nick Chubb? Yeah, it's definitely something to wonder about, to ask about, to analyze and to look into. I wrote a little bit about this today, um, about how do the Browns feel about Jerome Ford backing up Nick Chubb and will they add a back? And I've been saying over and over and over again, I do think they will add a back. And I think that will help determine what goes on with Demetric Felton because Demetric heads into this camp as a bubble guy. Jerome Ford heads in as the clear cut number two right now behind Nick and Demetric heads in with a chance to make the roster. And he, you know, he's got to show something. He's got to show that bouncing back and forth and straddling those two worlds for the most part at receiver and running back, mostly receiver to this point, uh, has, you know, has it hurt him to the point where he's not going to be able to make the team? Uh, I do think that he's got to show that he, he can contribute and that he can go out and get the job done, but they will try to sign another back and it will be one who can spell those top two guys in the event there are that there are injuries to both of them. When you said that, it kind of called back to the first question we asked um, when we were asked about the 2020 draft class and you mentioned Felton. Um, and I thought to myself, wait, did we miss him? Was he in 2020? No, he was in 2021. 
And then it kind of hit me. That's the class where there's really more guys that are kind of on the bubble and kind of fighting for spots. So you got Newsom and JOK, right? They're good to go. Um, but Anthony Schwartz was the third rounder that year. Uh, he's he's got he's got an uphill battle. James Hudson, I think, is good, but you know they did draft Juan Jones, so that's another tackle in the building. Um, Tommy Togiai, he's got a fight to make the roster. I think Tony Fields is probably fine as a as a special teamer, but then you've got Richard LeCount, who's already been cut, and Demetric Felton, who you just mentioned, he's kind of like fighting to get on the roster. So that's actually the class where, you know, that's one, two, one is already gone. So that's three, three guys that are left from that class that are very much on the bubble. And if you want to, if you want to throw James Hudson in there, which I wouldn't, um, that, that would be a fourth guy that's kind of, you know, kind of finds themselves fighting for a roster spot. Yeah. And it goes, you're right. There's, there are more bubble guys from the 2021 draft than the 2020 draft. That's a good observation, Dan. Uh, and, you know, we have, we came to find out when we were doing some research during the, uh, you know, the off season that, what was the number again? That only about 15% of third was, to fifth, is it 15? It was something like that. It was a low, it was a low number. Low number. Become quality, um, adequate, adequate, contributors. That's a low number. And that's why you see, uh, you know, some of these guys being so on the bubble, including, you know, an Anthony Schwartz, which, which that's a pretty high pick third rounder. Uh, but even those guys, when you lump them all together, third through fifth round, uh, it's about 15%. And that's just, uh, those odds are not great. So we'll have to see how this one works out uh, this off season. Okay, there we go. A uh, Friday edition of the Hey Mary Kay podcast on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved in that. You can become one of our texters. You can get that newsletter uh, that we send out every day, and uh, you can access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, and also just get subscribed uh, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, uh, get subscribed. And check out our YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube to find us there. You'll get podcast videos. You'll get shorts. You'll get all sorts of stuff on our YouTube channel. So uh, you'll want to check that out. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.